0: So the media continues to describe these violent riots, riots as mostly peaceful demonstrations. It's laughable. I mean, there are wars that have been Mostly peaceful, except when the bazookas are in use. Rutgers University says that grammar is racist. This is the new racism. Grammar is part of white supremacy. This is reported in the Daily Wire. Rutgers University says they're going to stop requiring correct grammar from students. You cannot make this up. Because this is in response to the Black Lives Matter movement. They say that it puts some multilingual students at a disadvantage. Grammar, when you expect people to use correct grammar, you're putting students at a disadvantage. And who are the racists here? The Rutgers people are the racists. These college elitists. You see, it's like when they because what are they saying? They're saying that minorities, they can't handle grammar. I mean, look, they look literally look at minorities as being subhuman. It's like when they say Trump is a racist. Trump wants to require immigrants to get college degrees. He wants to give preference to, to immigrants legally come to the United States if they have a degree. Or if they're going to attend college. And then the Democrats say, well, Trump is a racist because how dare he? He is excluding minorities. He is excluding people from Central America, South America. He's excluding Hispanics. And it's like, no, he's not. Hispanics can go to college. There's nothing in a Hispanic's DNA that says that he cannot go to college. So they actually accuse Trump of being the racist. They're the racist. Trump is the one who has high expectations, who says, you know what, if we push these minorities, if we actually give them a little ambition, if we prop them up instead of shooting them down like Al Sharpton and Jackson and all of these black leaders do, then you actually will get results. They're the ones who squash. The liberals are the ones who squash the minorities. But they're so caught up in this bubble, they don't even see how viciously racist they are when they presume that minorities cannot handle grammar and cannot handle college. They're the ones who think that blacks are inferior. Um, all right, so the pro this is unbelievable how the protests, which have been, I mean, there are so much violence going on right now around the country that the media calls mostly peaceful. So th- this is act- an actual headline from KGW. Ben Shapiro reported on this. Quote, protests remain peaceful after 47 arrested in Seattle. That is a an actual headline from KGW in Seattle. Protests remain peaceful after 47 arrested. Well, the protests probably got peaceful at that point. They didn't remain peaceful. And the media is making itself into a laughingstock, once again, in this bubble where, like, they just keep reinforcing each other. So they're describing these violent—I mean, you're talking about vicious attacks, like things you that would happen— in Vietnam and in Afghanistan, and it's mostly peaceful. So ABC News has been mocked. This is actually a story in The Hill where ABC News was mocked by conservatives for a report that th- th- this is an actual wording from the a tweet from ABC News. "Quote: Protesters in California set fire to courthouse, damaged police station, assaulted officers after a." peaceful demonstration intensified. A peaceful demonstration intensified. I'm going to read you an op-ed in a moment that says, if a peaceful demonstration intensified, then it should get even more peaceful. So, but this is the thing. It intensified. A peaceful demonstration intensified. And that led to fire in a courthouse, damage to a police station, and attacks, violent attacks against police officers. And this is what we keep. This is the phrase they keep using. Mostly peaceful. Mostly peaceful. I mean, cops are attacked. Explosives. Cops are put in the hospital. And it's like only 30 people out of 200 people actually tried to murder the police officers. So it was mostly peaceful. 170 people. They were just innocent bystanders, which they were not, by the way. So um, by the way, Ben Shapiro, he made a great point because what are the Democrats saying? They're saying if Trump sends in federal officials that's going to lead to, then things are going to really get violent. Trump, you better stay out of, I mean, the city, the people are murdering each other. It's like a war zone in these places. And Trump says, I've got to go in there. We've got to send in federal, not, not troops, federal agents, because we've got to stop the blacks from killing other blacks. And we got the mayors of Chicago, these other cities saying, President Trump, you send in people, that's going to get, things are going to get violent. And Ben Shapiro makes a great point. He says, that's the Israel treatment. That is how the media treats Israel. Israel, there are terror attacks go, going on rampantly in Israel. So Israel, they send troops in to Gaza to stop Hamas from committing terror attacks. And the media will say, why is Israel instigating Hamas? You know, Trump is the one. I mean, you got people literally violent riots. You got people throwing things, shooting lasers in the eyes of police officers who lose their vision. And the, the media saying, Wow, Trump is the one who's instigating this. Trump, when Trump said in the federal officials, that's when things, that's when the violence escalated, and they believe this drivel. So here, let me read you some uh, some quotes here. An op-ed from the Washington Examiner says it really well. Quote, protesters in California set fire to a courthouse, damaged a police station, assaulted officers after a peaceful demonstration intensified. That's the quote we read you before. That sentence does not even make sense. If a peaceful demonstration intensified, wouldn't that mean it became more peaceful, not less? I suppose every act of violence begins peacefully. If you lay in wait to murder someone, you might be peacefully sitting there for hours, and the actual killing takes only seconds. That's a mostly peaceful murder, right? On July 25th, the New York Times took a different tack, conceding the protests in Portland have been violent, but arguing that it is the fault of the Trump administration, which deployed federal agents to Oregon to protect a federal courthouse from destruction. The paper said, quote, peaceful protests were happening for weeks when federal officers arrived on July 4th, this shows how President Trump's deployment ignited chaos. The d- deployment of federal agents to Portland may have inspired more violence, but it certainly is not what caused it in the first place. Remember, the federal government sent officers to Portland because demonstrators were already attacking a federal building. CNN July 23rd said that the protests in Portland were mostly peaceful, though they have at times devolved into violence, vandalism, and arson. Again, that's a description of violent demonstrations. July 20th, the Washington Post said about a violent protest in Seattle that left 12 police officers injured that it was mostly peaceful until it was not. In contrast to how most news outlets have been playing these stories, the Associated Press's Mike Balsamo did a good job this weekend detailing what actually happens in Portland when the sun goes down. Quote, I watched as injured officers were hauled inside. In one case, the commercial firework came over so fast The officer did not have time to respond. It burnt through his sleeves and he had bloody gashes on both forearms. Another had a concussion from being hit in the head with a mortar. The lights inside the courthouse have to be turned off for safety. The light from high-powered lasers bounced across the lobby almost at night. The fear is palpable. Three officers were struck in the last few weeks and still have not regained their vision. The officers outside the Portland courthouse have been hit by an array of objects, from canned food to ball bearings fired from slingshots. A DHS officer was soaked completely in orange paint thrown from one of many paint cans, later seized by authorities. And then the op-ed says, quote, major news outlets can no longer claim ignorance or naivete if a protest ends violently. Then what is even the point of calling it mostly peaceful, if not to downplay its negative aspects? When are they covering up for violent? Why are they covering up for violent protesters? End quote. Uh, It really just is totally egregious. Meanwhile, Jerry Impeachment Nadler, he says the violence in Portland by Antifa, which is, of course, this Fascist, you know, black activist group. This, this it's a terror group. Uh, let, let me. It's nothing short of a terror group. Those are not my words. The federal government has labeled Antifa a terror group, and they're going in. By the way, they are sponsored and supported by George Soros, the radical liberal. So Jerry, impeachment Adler. He says it's a myth. He was literally asked about this. It's on a video. And he says the violent Antifa protests in Portland are a myth. They've been protesting for two months over there straight. And the mayor doesn't know. There's nothing he can do, this mayor. He's totally powerless, and he seems to even be supporting it, although you never know if he's just doing that because he's conceding that he's powerless. But Nadler was approached by Austin Fletcher, who's a writer, who asked Nadler to disavow the rioting in Oregon and Portland, And his response was, that is a myth. And it's actually on a video on Twitter. Nadler says it's a myth that's being spread only in Washington, D.C. So just to quote you here from police, there were 26 arrests in Portland over the weekend. Police said, quote, some people in the crowd spent their time shaking the fence around the building, throwing rocks, bottles, assorted debris over the fence, shining lasers through the fence, firing explosive fireworks into the area. And using power tools to try to cut through the fence, people wore gas masks, carried shields, hockey sticks, leaf blowers, umbrellas to thwart police in crowd dispersal. I mean, it just goes on and on. And it's a myth. Jerry Nadler says that it's a myth. All right. Meanwhile, Mayor Bill de Blasio has come up with a new way to stop gun violence, cooking glasses, And a swimming pool. That's it. De Blasio has figured it out. The coronavirus caused it. Not De Blasio taking a billion dollars away from the cops and restricting cops so they can't do their jobs. And uh, the solution is not to, to, to reinstate the cops or to take away the cops' restrictions. It's cooking classes and a swimming pool now. No wonder he's the mayor of of, of the biggest city in the country. He's figured it out. Why couldn't any of us have come up with this? this is, Yeshiva World News reports this, that there's going to be a new recreational center built in Brooklyn, and de Blasio is very proud of this. It's going to have a state-of-the-art indoor pool and a kitchen for cooking classes. By the way, here are some numbers, Uh, really astonishing numbers. Again, Yeshiva World was reporting these numbers. The anti the the, the 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 unit that was disbanded, the anti-crime unit, the plain clothes unit that Bill de Blasio eliminated in New York, just to show you how effective it was, in fifteen of the most violent police precincts in Brooklyn, Queens, and the Bronx this year, there were eight hundred and seventy gun arrests. Okay? Fifteen of the worst precincts. Had 870 gun arrests this year. 492 of those were done by the anti-crime unit, the now defunct, the now obsolete anti-crime unit. And so that was about 50%. And I don't know when these numbers were taken. So it's already been disbanded for a few weeks. But about about 50%, about half the gun arrests were done by the anti-crime unit. Now the anti-crime unit is gone. Since then, gun violence has been surging out of control. And as Yeshiva World says, a swimming pool is now going to take over and make those gun arrests. I mean, again, if it wasn't so sad and so tragic, it would be almost laughable. Governor Andrew Cuomo, he, he blames the conservative media for the surge of coronavirus cases in Arizona and Florida. And I am so tired and so sickened seeing this, this murderer take credit for somehow co- conquering the coronavirus, battling the coronavirus in New York State. This the, the the vicious murdering Governor Cuomo and now he's like criticizing other states and criticizing conservatives and it's it's just egregious. The media lets him get away with it. I mean this man should be thrown out of office, as Rand Paul said. This man, as far as I'm concerned, should be put into prison. And and yet he and he's like celebrating like he's proud. They're letting this man be proud as though he accomplished anything other than murdering people. Lots of old innocent people. So here's what he said. He said that Arizona and Florida, he said Florida and Texas, he says Florida listened to the New York Post. Texas listened to the Wall Street Journal. Arizona listened to the Wall Street Journal and the New York Post. That was wrong. That was wrong. There's a quote from Governor Cuomo. And I have a very simple question, and maybe somebody can correct me if if I'm not up on the uh, the, the coronavirus restrictions and all the guidelines and the lockdown and everything else. Is there any difference in the rules? Put New York City aside. New York City was the last to, uh, to 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 lift its restrictions because you know they got hit so hard. They had all the different faces. But the rest of New York State, besides even New York City, perhaps. But the rest of New York State. Let's discuss besides New York City. Do they have any different, right now at this moment, the last three or four weeks, do they have any, my, my kids are here in the room, do, do we know, do they have any different restrictions in Florida, Arizona, Texas right now, than New York State, than upstate New York, Rockland County, and uh, my kids are looking at me, they don't seem to know, they're actually, they're looking at whatever they're looking at right now, they have, they have not heard a word that I have said the last 10 minutes, so um, they don't know what I'm talking about, but I just have a very sin, now they're laughing, but now I have a very simple question, I, I, I have no idea, so uh, like Cuomo is, is acting, and I Understand. I know that New York State, it was a more slow process. It was a more gradual process. Florida and Arizona, Texas, they opened up more quickly. New York State did it more gradually. But that shouldn't matter. Bottom line is that all that does is delay things. But at the end of the day, if the same rules are in place, then why is New York numbers go why are New York numbers going down? Florida, Arizona, Texas numbers, although they seem to hopefully be stabilizing, hopefully. But those numbers are going up. That has nothing to do with Governor Cuomo because it's all the same restriction. Well, those states did it quicker. Well, that should only make it happen faster. But the bottom line, if right now, here we are, July 27th, if New York and Florida, Arizona, Texas all have the same rules in place, then in three or four weeks, it doesn't matter how quickly or slowly or gradually or how many phases, that shouldn't matter. If, if, if those restrictions don't work, they don't work. If they work, they work. So the answer is so Cuomo is just totally in La La Land, in Fantasy Land, there, you know, pra- praising himself, taking all this credit that he does not deserve, and the answer is, as I keep saying, the only answer that makes any sense to me is that in New York, it just everybody got it, everybody got it, or everybody was exposed to it, or or enough people that the you know, the virus then just fizzled. Whereas in these other states, they actually locked down early enough, unlike New York, so Cuomo gets the blame. Not the credit. I don't see, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't believe there are any different restrictions right now in the state of New York versus those other states. So, you know, and and, and so I I just, this makes absolutely no sense to me. Cuomo is very proud because he ignored the uh, conservative media who said that uh, you should reopen, you should reopen, and New York uh, took much longer to reopen. Again, that makes no difference. The only thing that Cuomo did do and that Republicans did not do, Republican governors did not send COVID-19 virus into hundreds of nursing homes and kill thousands of old people. That to me is the only difference I see, you know, the only significant difference between Cuomo and DeSantis and the Republican governors. All right, Senator Tom Cotton is the latest to be victimized by the fake news mainstream media. That's, by the way, his words, not mine. Fake news. I mean, those are old words. Trump uses those words. I think Trump coined the term, but no surprise that Republican Senator Tom Cotton is being vilified and viciously attacked by members of the mainstream media. They are taking a quote of his out of context to make it look like he said something very, very nasty about about blacks and about slavery and he said nothing of the sort and he says they've taken the quote out of context and that he is a victim of the fake news media no surprise there so uh, he he did this interview with the arkansas democrat gazette tom senator tom cotton and the, the the quote is that he said slavery was a necessary evil in the united states if you look at history in the in the u.s slavery was a necessary evil that is the quote He did say that. We'll show you the context in a moment, and it'll blow you away how he did not say anything at all demeaning or anything at all negative about the blacks or anything positive about slavery, but of course, leave it to the media to take it out of context, and now he's being blasted left and right, and um, they're accusing him of being a racist. So here was the quote in in this interview with the Arkansas Democrat Gazette, and I believe, if I understand correctly, the Arkansas Democrat Gazette... They quoted it in context, so they they actually did quote him accurately. But then a bunch of a bunch of other mainstream media news outlets, fake news media outlets, have just taken those one that one tiny little phrase in a microscope, and uh, you know they're accusing him of being this horrible person. Here, here's the quote: "Quote as the founding fathers said, it was the necessary evil. Talking about slavery, it was the necessary evil upon which the union was built. But the union was built in a way, as Lincoln said, to put slavery on the course to its ultimate extinction. So I'm, I'm going to read that again: As the founding fathers said, it was the necessary evil upon which the union was built. But the union was built in a way, as Lincoln said, to put slavery on the course to its ultimate extinct extinction." And um, Cotton called the left-wing spin on his comments the definition of fake news, and he's 100% right. And without getting into all the details here, because it gets a little tedious with all the history and everything, you got the New York Times with this 1619 project, and the New York Times is really revising history. New York Times making it seem as though they basically, the New York Times is, is, is trying to advance a narrative, a fake narrative that they made up that the entire country was founded upon... Uh, racism That the entire U.S. history is based on racism, which is just totally not true, as we keep talking about over and over again. It was just such a different culture. It, it's not even possible. You know, just like a lot of callers made the point, you know, Joe Biden... Used the N word numerous times in the Senate in the 1980s. He was quoting a racist when he used the N word, but he still used it nowadays. That wouldn't. That would never ever be done. You do that, and and you you're in big trouble. I mean, uh, that pizza, the head of what Papa John's uh, pizza, the CEO, he he did the same thing. And he was actually removed as, as as CEO. He had to step down or something like that. There was an outcry. So you can't do that now. If Biden did that now, he'd like be thrown out of the Democrat Party. So has pointed out, well, by their own definition of what's acceptable, what's not, you go back in, into history and uh, you actually accuse people based on the rules now of what they did back then, breaking the rules, which at the time were OK, if that makes sense. Anyway, so 1619, the, this project Tom Cotton. He's trying to make sure that they, that these Democrats don't revise history and that kids continue to get this education uh, of, of what the real history was, not some kind of fake, watered-down version of it. And yes, the Founding Fathers felt that even though slavery was bad, they felt it was a necessary evil. In other words, they felt that the country, the Constitution, had to allow slavery because that was the only way. It couldn't work any other way because it was too ingrained in society, but the whole plan was to ultimately eradicated, eliminated, which is what Lincoln kept saying, which is what happened. So that's what he's talking about, necessary evil. And in context, it makes perfect sense. Dr. Harvey Risch was this doctor we quoted yesterday from Yale. He's the—he's very supportive of hydroxychloroquine. He was on Fox News. This is fascinating. He was asked about a CNN anchor. There's a CNN anchor who actually said that hydroxychloroquine kills people. And Dr. Harvey Risch was asked about this. And he said, quote, this is a drug that's been used for 65 years in billions of doses around the world that people take without even thinking about it and suddenly it has become dangerous that's ludicrous end quote and and, and it is amazing we've literally said this for months we've said and I as reluctant as I am to ever discuss anything medically related it's it just it's baffling because it's so obvious how things are being twisted around because Trump Trump, praised the drug. So now you the media needs to be negative about the drug, even if it kills people. And and, and anybody who's outraged by that, you should be more than outraged by that. So the venomous media, a, a drug's been around for 65 years, 65 years, and Trump praised it. So now you have to talk about how it kills people and therefore dissuade people from taking it, even though it could save their lives. So you have this Dr. Rich again, a professor at Yale University, I don't know his political leanings. That's the truth. I said yesterday that I could not find anywhere that he's pro-Trump, and I couldn't, but I couldn't find that he's anti-Trump. I'm assuming that if he's a Yale professor, he's not a registered Republican, but that may be wrong. But either way. He's, he's clearly not a political activist at all. And he says, you know, it, it, it's ludicrous for the media to suggest that it's dangerous. Now, what's interesting is that, remember that big study, the media went wild. There was a study in The Lancet that showed that hydroxychloroquine was dangerous. And then that study was actually fake news, literally. The Lancet, which, was, which is supposed to be a, a well-respected medical journal. It published this this massive study showing hydroxychloroquine was actually dangerous and ineffective at treating COVID nineteen, and it was it had to be retracted. I don't remember a study like that ever be. I am not on top of every medical study, but I believe it's very rare for them to be retracted and debunked because they're actually based on fake data, fake data. So science was basically guilty of reporting fake news. Because of Trump, well, newsbusters, actually, when that study was debunked, newsbusters went back and looked. CNN spent 90 minutes in one day, May 22nd, after that study was first released, before it was debunked, CNN spent 90 minutes and 54 seconds discussing that study. They were p- proud and of that study, that study which debunked. So th- this is terrifying to me that medicine has become politicized. Medicine has become politicized, this to me, it, we, we've hit a whole new low. I've never seen anything. I never thought I'd see the day. So CNN, an hour and a half discussing a study which was debunked on May 22nd. Why was it so politically important to CNN? Because not because they care about human life, because they care about helping people. No, 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 no. Because they wanted to get President Trump and disprove him. And it turns, I, I want to know how much time did CNN spend reporting on the fact that it was debunked? I guarantee you they didn't spend 90 minutes. In a single day, and you know, it does. It does occur to me that the, the coronavirus it has become politicized, and I think that's a negative thing in both directions. You know, you have this one example. You know, certain things just should not be politicized. It bothers me, by the way, that the environment is politicized. And look, I'm guilty of it too. I certainly discuss climate and climate change and the environment. It's a very political issue, very politically charged. But the reason it bothers me is because. I do think environmentalists have a point. What did I just say that? What? What did I, What are you talking about? Yeah, I do believe that it's important to take care of the environment. Do I believe you should crush businesses and you should bankrupt the country and you should basically get get rid of uh, airplanes like ocasio Cortez wants to do because of the environment? Of course not. That's absurd. But I do think there is a point to be made in terms of protecting the environment and incentivizing businesses and doing it in a positive way, which doesn't interfere and doesn't wreck the country. But the problem is it becomes so politicized that like these Democrats, everything's about climate change, climate change. And so it's like you can't even discuss climate change because they accuse you of being a science denier. It's like certain things. It's something that all of humanity should be you know, doing together and should be in favor of helping the environment. But certain people get so whacked out of their minds That you can't even discuss it, you know, but without it getting politically heated. So it's the same thing with this medical issue, like hydroxychloroquine. It goes in both ways. Hydroxychloroquine became politicized. And now if you're anti-Trump, you actually cannot encourage, support a drug that could save thousands, millions of lives. And uh, the flip side of it is, you know, there's some conservatives out there who like they can't bring themselves to be in support of mask wearing. Because that somehow became a political issue. which should not be a political issue. If medical science says it's good, it says it's good. I don't care which side you're on. So meanwhile, Alex Azar, Secretary of Health and Human Services, he says the reason coronavirus is now plateauing in Arizona, California, Florida, and Texas is because people are wearing masks. Fascinating. Dr. Deborah Burks last week, she said that the, 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 the cases are leveling off in those states. Obviously, that would be amazing news, but uh, we'll have to wait and see. It, it's not, you know, uh, it's not concluded yet. It, it's not a done deal. But uh, today on Fox News, Alex Azar said it's, quote, it's due to the fact that people are actually wearing their masks. He says that's why it's plateauing. He also said people are social distancing and practicing good hygiene, and stepping up to the plate, and uh, it's having an impact. Liberal pollster Mark Penn, he coined a new phrase, and the phrase, it's it's a new political slogan, and it's a little bit nerve-wracking, I confess. It's the virus, stupid. This is Mark Penn. Obviously, that's a takeoff of... It's the economy, stupid, which was a very effective campaign slogan for Clinton in 1988. Now, uh, 1992, I should say. And uh, I don't think that's as effective as Ross Perot, which is the real reason that uh, Clinton was able to defeat George Bush Sr. But he's he's saying Trump's poll numbers are dropping very consistently with the numbers of people who believe positive or negatively about Trump's handling of the virus. In other words as more people say they don't like the way Trump is handling the coronavirus uh, that th- there's a corresponding number to the people who say they they th- they support Biden over President Trump so he says it's the virus stupid in other words he's trying to say that President Trump is appears to be out of touch now they they they're changing that as we've told you they are shifting the strategy making it seem like Trump is dealing with so he doesn't want to get stuck in other words there's a fear out there, you know, that President Trump the coronavirus is like the new big issue that everybody's concerned about, which it obviously is, and it's going to reflect what happened in back in 92 with the economy where it's like the president is just sitting there being dismissive of it and meanwhile this is the, the only thing people care about and the president has got to get engaged and get you know, he's really got to show people that this is very much under his control. Now, or at least he's doing everything possible, let's put it that way because we all know it's not under Trump's control of anybody's control. Meanwhile, Tim Murtaugh, communications director for the Trump campaign, he says that all these national polls we're hearing in the mainstream media, he says what they're really being designed to do is to suppress enthusiasm of Trump's voters. The media, they're trying to suck out the enthusiasm of Trump voters because they know that that's what's really ultimately going to defeat Biden in November if there's enthusiasm. So by having all these negative polls that they keep bringing out, what they're doing is they're making Trump supporters feel like, oh, forget it, give up, it's, it's over, we don't have a chance. Quote, they are trying to create a narrative. That, again, this is Tim Murtaugh, he was on Breitbart Radio. Um, they're released and published, designed to create headlines, and they are actively trying to suppress the enthusiasm of President Trump's voters. It's evident these polls are only designed to do that one thing they're aiming for. He said that a recent CNN and Quinnipiac poll only sampled 24% of people who called themselves Republicans. So what they're doing is they're measuring, uh, it's a totally, totally imbalanced measurement when they re- when they uh, ask question republicans versus democrats so they're literally designing the poll to be slanted which is what we've speculated about doesn't mean all the polls are doing that but he says 24% that's less than a quarter of the country the republican turnout in 2016 and 2018 according to exit polls was 33% so they are undersampling republicans by 9 points they just wiped out more than a quarter of republicans and said okay here's the poll So, of course, that's going to show that Biden is ahead. But we know there is enormous enthusiasm on the president's side. And he says this is all by design where they want to actually suppress the vote and they want the enthusiasm. They want to crush the enthusiasm because they know that that is very much President Trump's strength. Um, all right. Uh, Ken Cuccinelli, who's, of course, a senior Trump official. You know, he. We, we mentioned this yesterday, but we didn't have time to get to it. He says that Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot actually reversed course about cooperating with President Trump. I mean, she still doesn't want Trump anywhere near the city, but she is cooperating with, with him, which is very big news. She was saying he said she did an, a 180 degree turn, Ken Cuccinelli. Um, she was one of 15 mayors who urged Trump not to send federal police into Uh, their cities. But then she had a phone call with President Trump and she suddenly became a Trump supporter, which is fascinating. Cuccinelli said, quote, he is tough, but he cares about the American people. He cares about every community in this country. And that's why he's advancing federal officers and looking for partners, whether they are his political allies or not. Mayor Lightfoot in Chicago is not a Trump ally, but is willing to extend the olive branch and support federal resources to help bring peace there. So we're going to have to keep an eye on that, and finally, new information continues to be released about Obama Gate. And if you connect the dots, you see how corrupt the Obama Biden administration was. And they were behind. They were behind the bogus hoax Mueller probe and the Russia collusion investigation. They were behind it. Biden was behind it. It's so clear. So there's an op-ed in the Hill by Jonathan Turley. Jonathan Turley, of course, is very conservative. And the op-ed is called "Quote: Willful Blindness by the Media on the Spying of the tr- by uh, by the Obama Administration." And uh, here are some quotes: "It is astonishing the media refuses to see one of the biggest stories in decades. The Obama administration targeted the campaign of the opposing party based on false evidence. The media covered Obama officials ridiculing the suggestions of spying on the Trump campaign and of improper conduct with the Russia investigation. When AG Barr told the Senate last year he believed spying did occur." He was lambasted in the media, including by James Comey and others who were involved in that investigation. The mocking wow response of the fired FBI director received extensive coverage. And without going through the entire op-ed here, here are the points that he made. Number one, Peter Strzok, who despised President Trump and supported Hillary, Strzok led the Hillary probe, and then he he launched the Trump-Russia investigation. Yes, Peter Strzok, vicious Trump hater struck knew there was no evidence, but he insisted on keeping the investigation open. We have emails that show that that Strzok pushed to have the investigation kept open, despite the fact that there was no basis for it at all, except a, fo- a, a, a phony dossier. And um, it was leaked to the media. Uh, This investigation was leaked to the media, which should never happen about any criminal investigation, but certainly not one against the president. They spent years brainwashing the public, despite not having a shred of evidence that somehow Trump was involved in collusion. Carter, number two, point number two, Carter Page was the basis of the investigation because they spied on Carter Page because he had ties to Russia the FBI knew that he was working for the CIA. They actually got a warrant to spy on him four times. They renewed it three times. They had four warrants. They spied on Carter Page for months, and they knew that he was working for the CIA. Well, wh- well, how did a FISA court allow them to spy on a man who they knew was a CIA operative, you may wonder? Well, because Clev- Kevin Kleinsmith, who was the FBI lawyer, actually doctored an email. You know that he's been referred by the IG for criminal indictment, Kevin Kleinsmith, I'm waiting for that indictment to happen. We don't need Durham for that. It's already been referred, recommended. But he doctored an email. He literally uh, doctored an email to hide the fact, to make it seem like Carter Page was not working for the FBI uh, CIA so that they can obtain a FISA warrant. Number three, Obama and Biden were told by James Comey. They were told by James Comey that it was legit. Michael Flynn did nothing wrong when he was speaking with Russian Ambassador Kislyak. And we now know James Comey was ready to close the investigation, but Joe Biden said, well, what about the Logan Act? Why can't we go after Flynn on the Logan Act? Of course, Joe Biden, a few weeks ago, denied knowing anything about the Flynn investigation until Stephanopoulos caught him on it. And then he said, oh, well, yeah, actually, I I I did know something. I I I misheard the question. Number four, the FBI spied on President Trump. Wiretapped Trump officials, infiltrated his campaign with informants, allowed information to leak that damaged the Trump campaign. They literally tried to destroy the president. And of course, we now know that the FBI was well aware that the, that the Steele dossier was phony. It was totally unverified, unreliable. They knew that, and they kept renewing the warrant. And where, where is the indictment against Rod Rosenstein for that? Because he he signed on the on the warrant renewal. He knew the Steele dossier was fake. And it was funded by the Clinton campaign and the DNC. By the way, you remember this? Charlie makes this point. The Clinton campaign, they repeatedly denied paying for the Steele dossier during the election in 2016. But then after the election, they were confronted with irrefutable evidence that the money had been buried among legal expenditures. So the the Clinton campaign, they buried the fact that they paid for the Steele dossier. They lied about it. Then after the election, they were unable to deny it, to refute the evidence. So they confessed... That they were the ones behind the steel dossier. I mean, it is so. Egregious, and uh, this literally could be the biggest scandal in U.S. history. This literally, you know, makes Watergate look like jaywalking, and the media totally ignores it. They have like Watergate at their fingertips. If this was Nixon, if this were Bush, if this were all, if this were, if this were Trump instead of Obama, I mean, the media they would literally pound away at this. They pound away at nothing, at fake stories. This is this is a real story. I mean, there's so much, so many details here, so many facts, so much evidence. Remember. The, the government has the power to cover a lot of things up, even, amazingly, even with Trump the president, the DOJ still has covered a lot of this up. I don't understand why, but it's very clear that they have. But, but, but who busted open Watergate? Who exposed Watergate? It wasn't the government. I mean, there were, you know, secret anonymous sources, but it was the media. And yet here, the media literally is involved in this conspiracy with Obama and Biden to keep this thing covered up. That's going to do it for today, and we will see you next time.